This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Money Pit is presented by Lumber Liquidators, Quicken Loans, Home Advisor, and Aero Fasteners. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Podcast. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And happy spring. What's on your to-do list? If it's a home improvement project, we would love to help you take the first step to get that done. And you can participate by calling us at 888 It Doesn't matter what hour of the day you're listening to this show, you can reach us 24-7 at 1-888-666-3974. If we're not in the studio, we'll call you back the next time we are. Coming up on today's show, now that spring has officially sprung, unofficially, it still might be a bit nippy where you are. But soon, you are going to want to enjoy the outdoors on your beautiful new deck. What? After a hard winter, your deck is not looking so beautiful? Well, we can fix that. We'll have a quick recipe for a sparkling clean finish just ahead. That's right. You know, everything starts to just look a little bit yucky after the winter season, but there's a great way to get it back, and we'll share that with you. And another thing is a beautiful, lush, green lawn. Definitely a sign of spring. That definitely is a sign of spring, and it certainly makes you want to go out and get outside. But one thing you've got to get rid of, and we're talking about weeds, we're going to have step-by-step tips on how you can get rid of all of that unwanted greenery and really just set your lawn up for success this season. And how about this? Have you ever pulled out gross dishes at the end of a dishwasher cycle that remain layered with last night's dinner? Well, the problem might be the way the machine is loaded. We'll share those secrets coming up. And this arrow, we've got a very fun tool to give away. It's the iconic American-made Arrow T50 heavy-duty staple gun, along with a supply of staples. And it's worth 50 bucks. And believe me, you will use the staple gun all the time. It's going out to one caller drawn at random. Make that you. Pick up the phone. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question to the community page at moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Matthew and George is on the line with an issue with some hardwood flooring. What's going on? I have, I think the brand name is Mohawk, uh, engineered hardwood floor in my house. And I'm having some buckling uh, raised edges where the boards pl- uh, meet each other at the okay. ends. And so I was uh, asking the builder about it, and they said that, you know, it's acceptable to have some moisture inside there because of the concrete slab uh, foundation. Uh, Even though they used a moisture barrier and it is a glue-down floor, um, it's still acceptable to have some moisture in there. So I was curious as to what is an acceptable amount of moisture, and should that moisture be causing the, the the boards to buckle if the boards are buckling something is not right those boards are not designed to be buckled to buckling buckling is not a normal condition of hardwood floor of engineered hardwood floor and if that's what you're seeing something's wrong what exactly the level of moisture should be in that floor i really don't know 
there's going to be a spec that the manufacturers are going to say that if the floor is more than X percent, you know, damp, don't, don't use this product. I'll tell you, I know that uh, engineered hardwood is popular today for these types of floors, but you're much better off with uh, an engineered vinyl plank than engineered hardwood. First of all, it looks just like hardwood. I, I dare say you'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference, and the stuff is totally and completely waterproof. You're not going to have issues with swelling. And if this is a newer house and this floor was put down, I think you got a potential claim here uh, because it certainly should not be buckling. See, they're telling me that they're not going to do anything about it because uh, the the edges ra- uh, raised up are less than an eighth of an inch. Oh well, I, that's be outrageous. At all. That's outrageous. Yeah. And whose standard is that? Less than an eighth of an inch. An eighth of an inch buckling is okay. They're going to give you a letter from Mohawk saying, you know what? If you put our floor down and the edges and the edges buckle up an eighth of an inch, that's no big deal. That's how we designed the product. I don't think so. How old is this house? When did you move in? Uh, I bought it in March, and okay. uh, it was it was built in November. Does it have a warranty on it? Yes, it does. It has a one year it has a one year warranty for uh, for things like this, um, right. for trim being out and things like that, uh, okay. creaky floors and stuff like. that. But then that has a ten year warranty for structural issues, and so, so that kind of that kind of leads into my next question for you is I'm having some uh, some issues with my yard draining. So I took a line level and I measured the grade of my yard, and it's actually a negative slope. It's it's about an eighth of an inch per foot uh, back down sloping towards my foundation. So okay. what? So hold on for a second here, Matthew. Okay, because you're getting okay. away from yourself. We're going to break this I'm sorry. up. Okay. <laughs> All right. I understand you're excited. <laughs> you got a lot going on. But there, there's something very, very important you have to do right now. Okay. And that is, did you craft a letter to the builder and to the warranty company reporting all of the things that you have found wrong with this house? You've got to do that, not just notice to the builder, but you've got to notice the warranty company too. Because notice to the builder does not constitute notice to the warranty company. So you have to notice both of them before this year is up. So it sounds like you're getting very close to that now. So I want you to draft a letter and I want you to send it certified mail return receipt requested to both the warranty company and the builder. Put everything in there that you suspect so that it can be proven that these claims existed before the year was up. Okay. It seems to me like the warranty and the builder are the same entity though. You get what I'm saying? I understand like what you're saying, but there's the going to be a warranty. I have is quality, quality builder's warranty, uh-huh. you know, and then, I, and that, but every time I call the warranty office, I get uh, the builder's office, well, customer look, service office. You, you, I, whatever address is on that warranty and whatever address is the builder, you, you've got to protect yourself here by documenting that these things happen. Look, I used to do a lot of arbitrations is one of the many jobs I had sort of over the years for these warranty companies that were back in builders. And I, I think the warranties, for the most part, they, they try to sell it to you like it's a warm blanket, but I find it's a wet blanket, and it really doesn't give you much coverage whatsoever. And I also have seen builders that like to be Mr. Nice Guy up until the day after that first year uh, expires, and then they become like ghosts. You never see them again. But you right. need to notice them that this is a problem, and, it, and you, you need to demand that it be fixed. Um, I would also, after you get done with that letter and that notification process, I would also contact Mohawk, speak to their technical service department. Not, you know, these are not just people that answer the phones. These are experts and tell them what you're seeing. Send them photographs, get their expert opinion as to whether or not this is acceptable or not. Cause I don't think it is. I've never heard of a flooring company that would permit an eighth inch lift of a board like that. I'm writing, I think all, the, I'm just, writing all those down. So <laughs> I think it was done wrong. Okay. So write, okay. write, 
the warranty company and the builder with this and anything else you suspect is wrong with that house. And then also once that's done and, and off and on the mail, send it, you know, send it by email, send it by certified mail, just document that it's been sent. Okay. Um, and then after that, talk to Mohawk simultaneously to any conversation you have with the builder and find out what their specs provide for. But I, I would be shocked that they told you that having an eighth inch lift on the board, cause it's a tripping hazard. Someone didn't get hurt on that. Right. Uh, was acceptable. I don't think it is acceptable. And I think that floor has to be torn up and replaced. Oh, yeah. I was told, uh, if I, if I, if they can slide a credit card over top of it and the credit card does not get stopped, um, then it's yeah, within tolerance. Eighth of an inch, you can. Yeah. Eighth of an inch would probably be about 10 credit cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I guess going on to my second question with the with the yard draining back into the foundation could that raise the the moisture levels inside the concrete certainly slab? yeah because what happens is slab slabs very very absorbent very hydroscopic so if you have a lot of water that's collecting at the foundation perimeter it could definitely raise the moisture level of the slab also if you didn't have gutters that were properly installed or properly extending their downspouts away all of those the downspouts not connected Yep, those could okay. all lead to additional uh, humidity and moisture in that slab that could lead to the condition that you're seeing right now. Okay? Awesome. Thank you so much for your help. I really do yeah, appreciate it. You're welcome. It. Good, good luck with that. Let us know how you make out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are listening to The Money Pit, presented by HomeAdvisor.com, where you can find top rated home pros you can trust. Call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Just ahead, it's not just for colors or whites. We're going to give you an outdoor use for your laundry detergent after this. You live in a body pit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on this fine day? If it's your house, your home, your castle, you're in the right place. We'd love to chat about your project. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor. And hey, we've got a great reason for you to give us a call this hour, one that is sure to keep you all happy in your DIY adventures at home. We've got up for grabs an iconic American-made Arrow T50 heavy-duty staple gun and a supply of staples. Now, this really is the most popular American-made staple gun ever. It's all chrome. It's jam-resistant. It's got a powerful spring coil. You can actually see how many staples you've got in the staple viewing window, and it's all steel working parts. Now, there's so many things that you can do with the Arrow T50 stapler. I really feel like it's something that I just go to a lot, whether I'm upholstering a headboard or it's doing a cushion on a chair. It's always there, and it's like a always trusty friend. Like, <laughs> and it's always the right tool for the job. Yeah, and they've got a great section on projects on ArrowFastener.com. In fact, right now, they're they're featuring one of your favorite projects, Leslie, and that's upholstering a headboard. I know that I you've do done love that, that project. dozens and dozens of times, and it's so easy to do with the right tools. So that's what we've got to give away this hour to one lucky caller. Make that you. Pick up the phone and give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. That fifty dollar 
prize package with the Arrow T50 heavy duty stable gun and staples going out to one caller drawn at random. Or Linda in Nevada, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I bought a house in Nevada in Henderson, and uh, slowly but surely I have been plugging up all the areas for draft that's coming in. And then I realized, because I have a sofa in front of this fireplace, a so, uh, gas fireplace, there is a huge draft coming out that was just hitting my ankle. So I would like to know what is it that I can do to, to cover that draft? Do I have to cover up the whole fireplace? Is there, you know, I, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. Well, you've got to have a damper. So there's lots of different types of dampers. There's, you probably have a damper already. There could be a a mechanical damper right above the firebox. There could be a flu damper up towards the top of the flu, or you could just put glass doors on the fireplace. That's another way to kind of slow down the Even with the glass doors, if that flu is open, you can still feel a little bit of a draft because we have that. And I notice that if I forget to close the flu, then I'm like, oh, it's time to close it. I will look to see about the damper, see if there's anything I can close. But if I close that damper and I still have a draft and I do need to put a glass there, a glass cover, where do you find a glass cover? I well, glass doors, no, glass doors, glass fireplace doors are widely available pretty much everywhere. So. I mean, we had ours done from like the local hearth place. I believe it was called like Hearth and Leisure. There's probably somebody right in your areas, you know, right near Henderson. I know that area of Vegas and in Nevada. And that's a good spot. You probably have somebody there already that can do this for you. And there's so many choices and so many finishes and different designs on the glass and different framework and, you know, all different price ranges as well. So don't be surprised when some are really expensive. Um, but it's beautiful. And it also, when you're running your gas fireplace, you can keep those closed and it really does generate quite a lot of heat. It does. I just didn't think that they would. I mean, I have it blocked with my sofa. I don't really use a fireplace at all. Oh, my gosh. But, gas uh, fireplaces are so cozy. Uh, well, the real one. See, I'm used to the real thing. <laughs> no, I, I hear difference. you. I'm all for a wood-burning fireplace, but our neighbors have a gas fireplace. And anytime we go visit them, it just it gets downright warm. In fact, hot in their living room. It's lovely. Okay. I will try it. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, as the weather gets warmer, it's a good time to get outside and clean up your wooden deck. Now, it's really a quick and easy project that you're going to do with some things you probably already have around the house. I'm talking about a mixture of powdered laundry detergent and hot water. I'm sure you've got all of that. And that's going to act really as both an abrasive and a cleanser. Yep. And if you want to eliminate mildew, just use a 10% bleach solution. You want to spray it on and then rinse it with a pressure washer. Set on a gentle cycle. Otherwise, you'll destroy those boards in the process. And as a result, you will end up with a very super bright and cheery summer deck. Russell in Texas is on the line with a flooring question. How can we help you today? Hi. Uh, we're doing a remodel of a uh, oh, about a 35-year-old uh, house with a, with a slab floor. And we've noticed the, the current flooring, uh, we have moisture problems. Like underneath our bed, uh, where we store plastic boxes and wooden uh, and wooden foot lockers, moisture will accumulate on the bottom of those things and, and deteriorates the carpet. Also, okay. in the kitchen and bathrooms, the linoleum will uh, show some discoloration like there's moisture coming up. So we wanted to know, before we put down some nice wood, engineered wood flooring on our slab, what should we do to prevent the moisture from coming up? Is that a right approach? Yeah, well, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, in terms of reducing the amount of moisture the slab is subjected to, that's going to start outside the house. 
So I want you to make absolutely certain that you have continuous gutters uh, at all of the roof eaves so that you're collecting the water that's coming off the roof. And I want you to also make sure that that, that those downspouts are discharging at least six feet from the house. Because the idea here is that if we can keep the area right around the foundation perimeter as dry as possible, that first four feet or so away from the house, that's going to mean you're going to have a lot less water that gets pulled in through that slab because the slabs are very hydroscopic. They're like magnets. They suck that water in and it just sort of wicks its way up through the concrete and can end up even in the middle of the house under the floor and causing these sorts of issues. So we do want to see you dry out or as much as possible. In terms of flooring choices, since you do have these humidity issues and these moisture issues, I would suggest perhaps a different direction than engineered floor. Certainly engineered floor is okay in damp locations. But you might want to look at some of the new vinyl products that are out there. And I know you're thinking, ah, vinyl, you know, I really don't want vinyl. Vinyl is like uh, what I grew up with. That's like my, my grandmother's vinyl. You know, it's not like that anymore. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it looks just like the hardwood that you are trying to accomplish. There's two types of vinyl. One's called LVP, luxury vinyl plank. And the other one's called EVP, or engineered vinyl plank. You'll find that the engineered plank uh, pretty much works anywhere. It's a, it's a bit stiffer than the luxury well, it's vinyl built like plank. like an engineered hardwood would be. Right. It's like engineered hardwood, but yeah, it's a vinyl surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really durable stuff. And if you have these kinds of moisture issues, I think it would be really uh, a good option for you to look at. Uh, you know, pretty affordable, pretty easy to install. And we'll have uh, the, the dampness and the humidity will have absolutely no effect on it. Okay. Well, we've, we've checked out some of the vinyl and we're open to that. I mean, I certainly don't want to put down a a wood floor that's going to be ruined by this, so we want to, you know, uh, put down the right flooring. But it seems like there's two. They've offered us two options. You can either have a floating floor with like a little uh, pad underneath, or you can yep. have it glued down. Now, I think I prefer the glued down because you don't hear that little, you know, you kind of hear the hollow of the floor as you walk across it when it's floating, and I, and I don't like that. Mm. But I'm concerned. Right. But I want to make sure that I can seal that floor to keep the adhesive from coming up if moisture gets up in there. What do you think of that? Well, I would rely on the manufacturer's recommended adhesives for this because certainly they're used to uh, working with the concrete. I would be concerned that if I put down a standard concrete sealer that it would have an adverse effect with whatever adhesives being recommended by the manufacturer. So I would trust them on, on that. You know, if it was a floating floor and you wanted to reduce moisture, then I wouldn't have any issue with you putting down a concrete sealer first just to kind of stop some of that evaporation up. But since you want to glue the, the planking to it, and uh, then I definitely think you should uh, rely on the, the product that's provided by the manufacturer to do that. Because you're talking about chemistry here, and you don't know what's going to happen when you mix sealer in with the adhesive. It may affect its bond, and that's what, that, would right. be a, that would be a, a big issue. Okay, so before we completely throw in the towel on the wood flooring, is, are there any wood floor options you think that that remain open to us? No, you've got it. The engineered wood floor, engineered wood floor is the only wood flooring product that you can put against concrete slabs. And look, it might be fine. It might not, but I don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah, I really think that if you get some of these new vinyls down, I mean, there's one other option, by the way, that's more expensive and incredibly durable and, and also very good looking. That's called wood look porcelain tile. And that can be glued directly to the concrete slab. And it's absolutely the most durable wood look product that's out there. So, Take a look at that as well, and if you have the budget, that's another option for you, okay?
Okay. Well, I appreciate your opinion and uh, letting us know our options. All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Hey, now that it's officially spring, I know it doesn't feel like spring everywhere. I'm sort of setting my sights for summer. And to me, one of the things that makes me really enjoy the outside season is a thick, beautiful, lush green lawn. Now, there's one thing you've got to do to get that, and that's get rid of the weeds. So just ahead, we're going to get step-by-step tips on how to do just that from landscape expert Roger Cook from This Old House. And today's edition of This Old House on the Money Pit is brought to you by Lumber Liquidators, where you can get the latest spring trends and hottest styles in bamboo, laminate, wood-look tile, vinyl plank, and hardwood floors for less. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, what's your how-to or decor question? Come on, we know you got one. Call it in right now or post it to the community page at moneypit.com. The number is one eight 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 money pit presented by Home Advisor. Hey, they make it fast and easy to find a top-rated home pro you can trust for any home project. Well, we all love a lush green lawn, but sometimes what's green isn't exactly grass, nor is it very lush. In fact, weeds can destroy a lawn and remove any chance of turning your backyard into a perfect putting spot. Well, that's right. But when you consider that just one dandelion plant could make up to 15,000 weed seeds, it's a wonder any of us win the battle against these green invaders. One guy that can, though, is Roger Cook, the landscaping contractor from TV's This Old House, and he's here to tell us both how to rid our lives and our lawns from weeds. Hey, Roger. How are you? We're well. Uh, This is an ongoing battle that many homeowners face. What's the best way to control uh, weeds in your yard? It's a battle from spring to fall. It's not one product you can put down once that'll take care of everything. So, And it's not just what's growing in your yard. In fact, you're trying to keep out all of the dandelion seeds that are floating around the atmosphere from everybody else's uh, lawn, correct? What is it? One dandelion can put out 15,000 seeds, which become airborne and can spread and spread and spread. I had no idea that something so adorable that's so fun to pick up and collect as you find them could be so infectious, if you will, those yes. dandelions. Yeah. Well, that's how all weeds spread. They all have to have some mechanism which puts them into your yard from the neighbor's yard. It's a great thing nature designed. So how do you go about finding the right product to get rid of that right type of invader, if you will, for your lawn? Because it's not just dandelions. There are lots of different types of weeds. There's a gazillion, at least a gazillion. Yeah. Um, identify the weed. If you have to, you can go to a garden center and bring it with you, and they'll tell you about the control you can use for it. The other is the stronger the lawn is, the less weeds it will have. So keeping a good, healthy lawn that's cut long will really help. There's a couple of different ways I control weeds. Um, there's a real problem with crabgrass. And the areas are going to be the same consistently over and over and over because it usually grows in areas that dry out. Okay. So you can put down a pre-emergent, but you don't have to put the pre-emergent on the whole lawn. Crabgrass doesn't grow on the north and the west side. It only wants a real sunny pot. So you just treat the area where it was. Now, that 
particular uh, pre-emergent has to be put down just as a fascithia is flowering. That's our key to knowing that the ground is now warm enough that mm-hmm. crabgrass is starting to germinate. And the forsythia is also known as the goldenrod for people who might be confused. It's that long, branchy yep. shrub with the yellow, spiky. They're very, really very early in the season. Early One of the May. first to bloom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, is there a single herbicide that's going to work on all of these weeds, or do you really have to go on a sort of a case-by-case basis? Case-by-case basis. You have to be really careful. Um, When you buy an herbicide to spray on your lawn, you have to make sure it's labeled for lawns. There's a lot of herbicides out there that will kill weeds, but they'll also kill your grass. Mm. Okay, and that's happened to my friend quite recently. He showed me all the nice little spots in his backyard and said, what happened? I said, what did you spray? He showed me, and I said, you just used a killer that's indiscriminate. (laughs) Whatever it touches, it kills. But if you can go around and spray individual weeds with a small sprayer, you can cut down your use of uh, herbicides by over 90% instead of putting it on parts of the lawn again where there's no need of it. So by using a liquid and spending a little time and walking around and spraying the weeds, and if you can get them as they're just emerging, that's when they're most susceptible to the herbicide. You can control it pretty easily that way. And you have to be very careful of overspray when you do that, especially if it's windy out, correct? A little trick I use is I take a funnel and I cut it, and then I clamp it to the end of my sprayer, That way there, the cone is going to keep it from spraying out to the sides too far, and you literally can just put the cone over the plant you want to spray and spray it and then move on. Cool. So you sort of trap the weed under the cone, spray it, move on. You've only sprayed what you wanted to do. No overspray, no worry about taking out good grass. Works perfectly every time. Is there a good place to go if you're just completely stuck and can't identify the weed and just don't know what the best plan of attack is? A good garden center should have someone there who can help you identify the weed. Again, you can't treat the weed until you know what it is. Then you can get the right formula to help you get it under control. Now, what about a sort of a chemical-free way of treating weeds? What about weed barriers and things like that? Do they help? Physical barriers, you mean, like weed block and things like that? They do a little bit. I've had people put down newspapers and then put mulch on top of it, and that'll help keep the weeds. But what I find is that the weeds that aren't in the lawn and are in your beds, they tend to get into the mulch and germinate from the top. So those are the ones that you have to, you can, again, you can spray those, but you got to be very careful of your shrubs and your ground covers at the same time. Sometimes it's a lot of fun to just go out with the kids and pay them a penny of weed and pull them out all, <laughs> all that you can. Roger Cook from TV's This Old House. So this is a battle you can win. You can win. You just got to stay on top of it. (laughs) All right. You can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For your local listings, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you on PBS by The Home Depot. Just ahead, have you ever pulled out gross dishes at the end of a dishwasher cycle? You know, the kind that remain layered with last night's dinner? The problem might be the way the machine is loaded. We'll tell you what you need to know to make sure they come out clean every time after this. You live in a body pit. The 
Money Pit is presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And whether you're buying, selling, or just enjoying your home, we are here for you every step of the way. Call in your home improvement or decor question right now to one 888 Pit presented by Home Advisor. The fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project, whether it's a small repair or a major remodel. And if you give us a call right now at 888 Pit, we'll also toss your name in the Money Pit hard hat because we're giving away one of our favorite tools. It's the iconic American-made Arrow T50 heavy-duty staple gun and a supply of staples worth 50 bucks. This is the go-to tool for so many projects around your house. You're going to love it. There's so many things you can do, including upholstering a headboard, which happens to be a project on the arrowfastener.com website. Check that out. You'll have all the instructions you need. That Arrow T50 heavy-duty staple gun and the staples going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Call us now at one 888 Heading over to Illinois, where Ron's got some stuff going on at his money pit. Tell us what's happening. Thinking about building, and I'm looking at exterior walls, and my question is, should I consider 2x6 or 2x4? And I'm getting different opinions, and so I'm kind of wanting to see what you guys think. So the reason that you would go with a 2x6 is so you can have more insulation, right? Well, Supposedly, yes. But you could also have more insulation if you used spray foam versus fiberglass because spray foam has a much higher R value than fiberglass. So you could use a 2 by 4 wall with uh, spray foam in those walls instead and have a much better insulation package when you're all done and probably spend less on the lumber. What would you think about the 2 by 4 with the 1-inch styrofoam sheeting on the outside with fiberglass inside and then your drywall? Yeah, well, you can do that. I mean, all the insulation you add is going to help, but there's just nothing better than spray foam when it comes to both insulating and air sealing. What about the cost on something like that? It's a little more than fiberglass, but the thing is, it's a much more efficient system. It's going to save you more money over the, over the long run because it goes on really, really thin when they spray it, and then it expands. It has like a 100, 100 to 1 expansion ratio, so it swells up. And it, and it basically seals all of the gaps. Go to moneypit.com and go to, under Listen and Watch, there's a section on books and guides. And there's a free download there that we wrote some time ago on all the different ways to insulate a wall. And there's a lot of information on spray foam in that, including some pictures of my own house when we uh, applied spray foam to a very old house. And just been thrilled with it. Just very, very happy with it. Yeah, you've been saving a, a ton of money. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. I'll do that. Thank you very much. Well, have you ever pulled out dishes at the end of your dishwasher cycle? So you're expecting everything to be clean, but you open that door and all you see is a steamy mess of things that are still layered with, you know, whatever you ate last night for dinner. Well, that problem could be the way the machine is loaded. So here are five things to check. Right. So first you want to note the water flow pattern. You want to check out where the nozzles are and the position and the width of those spinning sprayers. And think about what might cause one dish to block another. So once you know where the water is coming from, you can strategically make sure you're not blocking that important spray function. Um, the other thing is, and I have to always remind my mom of this, is she'll put a big pan so that it butts up next to the little door that pops open with the detergent in it. And so it won't actually pop open. 
and you won't actually get the detergent <laughs> yep. in there. Yep. So nothing gets it. clean. So you got to look for that as well. Another thing is I think everybody is just overpacking the dishwasher. You know, you have to have gaps between things. Water has got to hit every surface of the dish in order to get them clean. It makes sense, but you don't want to hand wash the dishes. So you're cramming everything in right next to each other. And that's only going to guarantee a dirty mess. So try to keep a gap between every item and every other item so that the soap and the water can actually jet past and get onto all the surfaces and actually do its job, you know, clean them. You also want to choose those racks carefully depending on the types of dishes you have. So if you've got concave dishes, you know, like bowls and cups and pots and measuring spoons, they can form a catching surface that's going to stop both the vertical and that horizontal water from getting around and over them. So don't put them on the bottom tray. Put them in the top tray so they don't block the water from below. Otherwise, the water is never going to get up to the top tray, which means all of those cups and bowls that are up there are going to stay dirty. Yeah, that's a smart tip. You know, I never think about that one, and I tend to put some of the larger pans down on the bottom, but that's not really helping me at all. Now, when it comes to your silverware, guys, try to pre-soak the silverware before you actually put the utensils into the dishwasher because that's going to loosen up any of that dried food that gets stuck between the fork tines. And when you load the silverware into the dishwasher, do so with the forks, tines pointing up, spoons pointing up, handles down, the knives you want to point down for safety, obviously. I like to sort them into the compartments with forks, one in one little spot and spoons in another and knives in another. This way it's easier when I'm putting them away. But just do it that way. Don't overcrowd them. You know, maybe stick to like four or so utensils per each little compartment. This way they don't get, you know, jumbled up on top of each other and everything gets clean. And finally, you do want to pre-scrub the, what should we call it? The baked on crud. Scrub your crud, all right? Um, there's only so much the swishing water can do. And certainly if you get food particles into the dishwasher, that's okay. But if it's baked on, it's never going to come off. So you got to pre-soak or pre-scrub any of the charred food so that it separates uh, before it gets into the dishwasher. And this way, the dishwasher can actually finish its job. Hey, all of these tips are from a brand new post we have on moneypit.com about how to load your dishwasher. So search it out on moneypit.com. Read the whole post. I think you'll find some more tips and tricks that uh, will amaze your friends and fool your enemies and <laughs> solve all of those. I think dishwashers are one of those things where people argue about, you know, how, what the proper way is to load it and whether or not you should use the heating switch. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> you need hot water in it, you need it's cold water. It's such a touchy subject, It's a very subject, touchy subject. So you, you can solve all of that, settle all those bets. Uh, just by reading the post, which is online at moneypit.com. I will tell you, Tom, New Year's, we had a couple of friends over and my friend Carrie came over and, you know, she's very put together, as am I. And I will tell you that the dishwasher was a little haphazardly loaded as we were cleaning up. And she looks at me and goes, I'm surprised you load your dishwasher like this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that feels oh, so judgmental. Man, nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that you're all haphazardly loaded that way. <laughs> Hey, are you thinking about taking a trip? Well, we're going to have steps that you can take to prevent your home from being damaged while you're away after this. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com.
making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now with your how-to question at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post it to the community page at moneypit.com, which is what Jack in California did. That's right. Jack writes, we have a house on our property that is 105 years old. Youngster. No one is... I know for your house, our houses. <laughs> no one is living there right now, but we still have the plumbing and electricity turned on. What would be the best way to put this house in a vacant or storage mode to minimize damage while it's empty? That's a good question. That's a very smart question. We like the way you think, Jack. So um, here's what you should be doing. First of all, um, you're in California. If you're Northern now, this California, is different advice from somebody in California to somebody, say, in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, even if he's in Northern California, you could still get frost damage there. So um, if you're not going to be in the house, it's a really good idea to drain the plumbing system. And so that just means any water that's in the pipes um, can't freeze and expand. And you could, I mean, you should definitely turn off the main water valve and that will stop any major damage. But if you do get a freeze and the heating system fails, uh, this will stop the pipes from expanding and cracking and just sort of leaking out the water that's there. Or are you having this big surprise when you turn the water back on and now you got a sprinkler system that you didn't know you had because the water's like shooting out all over the place, including like through the light fixtures and the ceiling seams and, and all of that mess. So you definitely should drain the water. Um, for the heat, if you do drain the water, you could turn it down to probably about 62-ish. Uh, and then what you also are going to want to do um, to minimize the chance of, of, of any risk is to go through the electrical breakers and identify what each one is and make sure you turn off non-essential circuits. So an essential circuit might be your heating system, but a non-essential circuit might be, you know, the outlets in the living room. Because the more circuits that you de-energize, the lower the risk that you could have an electrical issue uh, result from that. So that's kind of the way that you want to deal with this is to make sure that you have the water off, you have the heat set right, you drain the pipes, and then you minimize uh, the electrical circuits that are on. And that's the best way to minimize any possible damage that could happen in the house uh, while it's empty. I remember, you know, I spent 20 years in the home inspection business, and I remember one time uh, doing like a – it was termed like a sort of a quick inspection before closing kind of a thing. You know, just, hey, swing by this house. It's been vacant. Make sure it's okay before we sign the paperwork. Sure, I go into this house. It's a bi-level. There is four feet, four feet of water in the lower level of this house. Four feet of water. They just so didn't check for a couple of the days. Pipe like broke, did this happen this, um, instantly? Yeah, it was like a u- utility company or I mean a, a, a reload company that uh, you know didn't pay attention. It was an absolute disaster. So needless to say, those folks did not close on the house that day. So glad I got a chance to step by to stop by. But that's what can happen in these vacant houses if you're not around. So a really good idea to kind of protect yourself by you know turning off the utilities that could cause those kinds of issues. Water right? And electricity where you, where you don't need it. You know, I think in this case, because the house sits empty, you know, it's a really good idea to think about all these steps. But, you know, my family has that home out east on, you know, the North Fork of Long Island. And you remember, Tom, a few years back, we were away on vacation. The house usually sits empty in the winter. My whole family shares it and a pipe burst. So it's a good idea to think about just turning off that water, whether you're away for a week, a weekend or not in the house at all. It'll save you a huge headache later. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you've got tips, you've got questions, you want to contribute to the Money Pit community online at moneypit.com. And if you've got questions and can't get through to us, you can call 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT. We love to help you 
get yourself all good to go for those springtime home improvement projects. This is the season. You know, we always say it's the Goldilocks season. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right. So when you're getting ready to take on projects around your house, you can count on us to help. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.